Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. This week on The Coffee House, we're going to be talking about a composer who was friends with a diverse group of composers from Debussy to Stravinsky. It's Manuel de Falla, a true Spanish composer. De Falla was born in Cadiz, a town in the Andalusia region of Spain, in 1876. Initially, De Falla started his music endeavors with piano lessons from his mother. Over the years, he had several different piano teachers. One interesting teacher was Eloisa Galuso, who taught De Falla when he was nine years old. Apparently, his lessons with Galuso abruptly ended with little warning one day when she up and decided to become a nun. In his youth, De Falla enjoyed many studies other than just music, including literature and journalism. The intrepid young lad founded his own magazines called El Berlon, The Mocking, and El Cascabel, The Rattlesnake, after turning 15. He still studied both piano and theory during his teen years and attended music performances regularly. What really solidified his future path was a performance of works written by Edvard Grieg. Apparently, De Falla was so moved by the power of Grieg's music that he knew he too had to become a musician. In 1896, De and his family moved to Madrid, where he was able to take composition lessons from the distinguished Felipe Padrel. Padrel had also been responsible for the success of famed Romantic-era Spanish composers Alvarez and Granados. These two composers had been big fans of the nationalist movement that was sweeping Europe, and as such, they incorporated a good deal of Spanish folk songs into their compositions. De Falla somewhat followed in their footsteps. He definitely maintains a Spanish sound for most, if not all, of his works. And speaking of, some of De Falla's first works in the 1900s were in the Spanish genre of zarzuelas, which are essentially one-act operas. This genre did not prove to be a fruitful endeavor for him, however. Only one of these small works was initially produced, and it didn't do well with the crowds. But DeFalo was young and ambitious, and he didn't let his early setback deter him from future composing endeavors. He continued working in the vocal genre, and in 1905, he entered a national competition with his opera La Vida Breve, Life is Short, which won. In spite of this win, DeFalo was unable to find a company willing to produce the opera in Spain. This was no insurmountable problem, however, as DeFalo just looked for audiences elsewhere. In 1907, Defala moved to Paris. Life in France was good for Defala. He made close friends with the Impressionist crew there, particularly Debussy and Ravel. It was during this time he also met a young Stravinsky. Defala made a decent living teaching piano and publishing short works for piano. Finally, eight years after it had been awarded the competition prize, Life is Short was produced for a French stage. He also wrote the well-loved Nights in the Gardens of Spain, which we'll be taking a deeper look at later in this episode. In 
The Fala likely would have continued to be a success in Paris were it not for World War I starting in 1914. Throughout most of his life, De Falla really tried to distance himself from war and politics, so he moved back to Spain when the war broke out. News of his success in Paris had spread to the Spanish audiences, and so De Falla was able to hit the ground running once he returned. He went on to produce some of his most well-loved works, including El Amor Brujo, Love the Magician, and the three-cornered hat that was arranged into a ballet with the choreographer Dagalev. The ballet was quite successful musically and visually, and the set was designed by none other than Pablo Picasso. Recall that Picasso actually did quite a lot of set design during this time, as he also worked closely with Eric Satie for some of his absurdist stage works. In 1919, both of DeFalo's parents had died and he was looking for a change in scenery. He relocated himself from Madrid to Granada. Note, this is a city in Spain, not Granada, the Caribbean island. Here, DeFalo continued to compose large and well-loved works, such as Master Peter's Puppet Show, based on scenes from Don Quixote, as well as a major harpsichord concerto. These works, though still Spanish in nature, also showed attempts to experiment with the modern styles being produced by Stravinsky. Defala had strong influence at this point over Spanish arts and culture. He befriended many Spanish writers, artists, and other musicians. One of his dear friends was the poet Federico Garcia Lorca. Together, Defala and Lorca organized an event called the Cante Hondo, Deep Song Festival, that celebrated Spanish arts in Granada. As we previously mentioned, Defala tried to avoid the violence of war if possible. However, in 1936, the Spanish Civil War broke out. Lorca, an outspoken member of the Spanish Republican Party, was targeted by the fascist nationalists led by General Francisco Franco. Apparently, Defala did what he could to save his dear friend, but in the end, the rebels ended up executing Lorca. This war really put Defala in a strange position that he wasn't comfortable being in. On one side, he had several Republican friends, but that party harbored some scary anti-Catholic views. Defala was described by Stravinsky as being one of the most religious people he had ever met, so Defala wasn't just going to give up that easily. On the other side were the Nationalists, who, though extremists and fascists, were mostly Catholic and thus more sympathetic to Defala. So what was he to do? Defala managed to keep his head down and trudge on, trying his best to not get intertwined on either side. General Franco's party did try to mark Defala as a pinnacle of the new Spanish heritage, much like how the Nazis would try to support German composers during World War II as pinnacles of German culture. Eventually, near the end of the Civil War, Defala was invited to conduct a concert in Buenos Aires, Argentina, in 1939. He took the opportunity to leave the country and just never came back. <laughs> the new fascist regime tried to bribe him back to the country to serve as the president of the Institute of Spain, which he was able to decline under the guise of health complications. Luckily, the government didn't try to use force to bring Tafala back. Tafala lived out the rest of his days in Argentina. He didn't compose much anymore, but he did work on a massive piece called Atlantida, Atlantis. This cantata was not finished before his death in 1946. Initially, after his death, Defala was buried in Argentina. However, Franco eventually did get Defala to return to Spain when his body was exhumed and re-entombed in the Cadiz Cathedral following a public funeral service. 
So now we'll take a look at one of Defalo's most magical works, Nights in the Gardens of Spain, for piano and orchestra. This work was started when Defalo was living in Paris and under the strong influence of his impressionist buddies. Defalo first works on the piece as purely for solo piano. However, by its debut, he had transformed it into almost a piano concerto, with the piano soloist backed by a full orchestra. And though Defalo started writing the piece in Paris, he finished it in 1916, after he had moved back to Spain, specifically in Granada. When it was first being written, Defalo described the movements as a set of three nocturnes. As we've previously discussed on The Coffeehouse, this genre of the nocturne was generally known for its incredibly peaceful nature. As we hear in this work, the nightlife of Spain was apparently not always so peaceful. The piece has been more aptly described perhaps with the label of symphonic impressions. As such, Defala didn't really want the movements to be programmatic, but rather just evocative of certain feelings and sights. In his own words about the piece, the movements are, quote, merely expressive. The first of the movements is titled At the Generalife, with the Generalife being a famous palace garden in Granada. The movement begins mysteriously, like someone walking up to the gardens in the dark, not knowing what they'll find inside. However, it is soon discovered that the gardens harbor a great variety of lush plants thriving in the warm Spanish night. As these gardens are at the palace, the atmosphere is perhaps a little more elegant and stately. Though some of this movement is lilting, other parts of it are much more march-like and straightforward. And the wishy-washy sounds of the Impressionist influence can clearly be heard. This particular passage is very evocative of an Impressionistic climax featuring pentatonic harmonies and sweeping strings. The next two movements are played without stop, the second distant dance going right into the third in the gardens of the Sierra de Cordoba. The second movement is aptly named as it starts out with an indistinct time signature and little snippets of incomplete dance-like melodies. However, it soon grows into a full-on party, with the dance coming right to the fore. In this 
movement, we also hear Defala utilizing the piano in different ways to either be a soloist or just another texture in the orchestra. In this passage, we hear the piano and the woodwinds playing in unison to punctuate the melody. The piano just adds a layer of texture and attack to the notes. However, we also hear the piano featured completely on its own, allowing it to have a soft touch. We also heard little motifs throughout this movement that are reminiscent of flamenco guitar music. Listen behind the piano here to hear the oboes playing a little Spanish flourish. The third movement takes us to a new city, Cordoba, or Cordova. This city was the capital of Andalusia when it was an autonomous nation. The area itself is in southern Spain, and thus has many Moorish influences from nearby Morocco. The music is powerful and intense. We also get to hear the piano featured in a much more virtuosic way than in the previous movements. It's more reminiscent of a traditional piano concerto. influence in this movement makes it somewhat resemble Rimsky-Korsakov's work Scheherazade, which drew on Arabic folk tunes. There are repetitive cadenzas, much like how Rimsky-Korsakov features the clarinet in his work. As well as the orchestra playing swirling, seemingly endless flourishes. we have to remember these scenes are meant to depict the nighttime. As such, this exciting piece actually ends on a very quiet note that has been wound down nicely. We hope you've enjoyed hearing about this piece by Manuel de Fala and learning a little bit more about this lesser talked about country of Spain and its unique musical style. And if you enjoyed listening to The Coffee House, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit that follow button if you're listening to us on Spotify and share us with a friend who would also enjoy the podcast. For The Coffee House Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening.
Defala's Nights in the Gardens of Spain was performed by the University of Chicago Orchestra with pianist Pedro Carbon, conducted by Angel Gil Ordonez. You can find The Coffeehouse on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.